Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to uh, send us an email at exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And we're coming to you on the Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and on Simul TV on the Exxon TV channel, which is channel 54. And for more information on the Simul TV and how you can get some of the best programming available, whether it's from Sony, whether it is from any of the major news sources, or right here on the Exxon TV channel, 724 365, visit www.exed.com. I'm sorry, that's my website. No, we won't do that to Steve. www.simultv.com. I was just uh, speaking to our guest prior to uh, going on air, Jeff uh, Krause, and um, he was telling me that it was up to 107 degrees not that long ago. And uh, Jeff, I, 107 degrees, my Lord, man, how do you, how do, you do it? Well, um, you go from air-conditioned building to air-conditioned building, don't spend very much time outside and drink a lot of water. Just water? Well, if you want to stay hydrated, no. Um, okay. <laughs> the truth in advertising, the air-conditioned buildings that I hop to are right. Right. So right. obviously I'm not drinking water there. But, uh, yeah, uh, with, with the heat like this, it's really not conducive to drinking much of anything. It's just right. uncomfortable out there. Uh, is is this weather unusual for your part of California? It is. Um, the average here, uh, probably between 68 and 75. Uh, once in a while, it'll swing up into the 80s, mm-hmm. and we really start whining and complaining. And then there's really rare days where it gets triple digits, and uh, a lot of people suffer from it because... They're not prepared. They don't have air conditioning. Uh, so, but, you know, and plus we've been having the rolling blackouts in the area, mm-hmm. which don't help. Uh, yesterday, half of the town was out of power here, and it was 107 degrees. So that's, um, you know, really the worst conditions you can expect. Jeff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in the UFO search for existence and looking for ET? Well, you know, uh, sighting is probably how most people Mm -hmm. get the most interest. Uh, In the 60s, on the way to the New York World's Fair, I had an experience where I think I might have seen something, 
which kind of always sparked my interest from that point on. Then later, uh, my relatives, when I was a little bit older, told me about uh, the Roswell thing happening because they lived in uh, Artesia, New Mexico, which is just south of Roswell. So they had told me about, you know, the flying saucers mm -hmm. were real in the 70s, which kind of sparked my interest. What really kind of got me going um, in 79, I was living in a recording studio in Azusa, California. And uh, early in the evening, I saw a craft uh, hovering above. It's probably about a mile long, um, rectangular shape, uh, maybe a, a half mile in width. Not sure how thick it was because I really couldn't see that part of it. And, and the length, I'm just guessing because I knew where it was traveling, how many signals, you know, the distance in between sure. the signals and what I could see. Um, and it was hovering really slow. I'd say maybe 25, 30 miles an hour and low enough where everyone in the market parking lot could see it still. And, you know, it was kind of concert-like atmosphere. People were whistling at it and whooping. And I said to the person I was with at the time, you know, this this is obvious. This is going to be all over the news the next day. It might even be on the news tonight. Well, for sure going to see it in the paper. And, of course, you know, the next day there there wasn't a word about it. But it was really bizarre because it was moving along. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you shut off old cathode ray TVs, how they'd get that white line across yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Or when Pablo Picasso would do the light drawings, light right. moving past that was kind of the same thing. It moved so fast all of a sudden that it looked like a light line being drawn and it made like a horizontal line in the sky. And then it was a pinpoint again. I'd say, well, from Azusa to San Bernardino is probably about close to 50 miles. And I, I'm guesstimating that that's where it went to when it went to that point. But then with only maybe a couple seconds hovering there, the point of light that we saw just shot up into the sky and was gone that fast. So that really uh, set me on the course of wanting to research the phenomena and, and investigate other sightings and things that I heard. Now, how many years have you been a, a UFO researcher? Well, since uh, since the 80s, uh, amateurishly, right. um, I joined MUFON in 2014 and uh, soon became the state director there. Uh, and of course, I, I investigated the thousands of cases through them, but it's a little different uh, doing it through an organization like MUFON because you get so many reports coming in of just misidentification of things and you know common occurrences. Whereas um, when you're not getting reports from everywhere and everything, the reports that come in um, tend to be a little bit more specific and a little bit more clarified. And I think in some cases, a little more interesting. How many investigations would you do in a year? Personally? Yeah. Uh, well, I know there was a couple of times when we had flaps when I had 30 cases going at a time. My good God. Um, 
but in a year, uh, it was not uncommon to go through two or three hundred cases. Person, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe you were getting zapped by an alien there, because the way you get no, back. No. 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 Right. I'm okay. Well, I am okay. sitting in a wooden chair. That's a pain, but no, I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I bet you I know where that pain is. Yep. Okay. Um, how is it going with MUFON with all the all the information that is coming out about the UAPs, the uh, the Tic Tac, the congressional hearings? How is that affecting the UFO the UFO field in general? Well, anytime the subject is opened up and people are talking about it, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um clarification i think is a bit of an issue a lot of people are under the assumption that it was the government that leaked the videos and that wasn't the case at all uh it was the hard work of jeremy kenyon lockyer i hope i get his name right anyway that gentleman working with uh who worked with bob lazar making the bob lazar movie um, is responsible for a lot of the release of those videos. Um, and also with uh, Luis Elizondo and the connection through to the Stars Academy. Um, the government fast-tracked after they were out and then said, yes, these are genuine videos. But they were also asked at the same time, do you have anything more? And their reply was, yes, but you'll never see it. Hmm. So... I think anything that comes out from the, the government, it's done begrudgingly. Um, Lord knows I've written enough freedom of information requests that, you know, you, you unless you can nail down specific dates and times, they'll dance around it and try and tell you that no information exists for that. But once you narrow the scope down and, and have, you know, proof or another form that relates to that form in writing and then they say oh yeah oh well there is this here and, um, and i've had a couple in fact by san luis obispo slow ufo investigation uh i got some interesting foia responses back on that at first they admitted that uh, they were unable to process the request in the time period because of the fact that I knew the date, the time, and the Project Blue Book file number, so they had to get together with the other people involved and discuss how they were going to handle that, pretty much admitting I caught them with their pants down. Um, I later did get a reply on that. Uh, department, or the, the DOA, I think it was. No, yeah, no, it was the DOA that uh, sent me a FOIA response with the actual uh, file numbers I can find all the information pertaining to that case in the National Archive now. So yeah, there are some Project Blue Book cases that uh, apparently are unclassified and the information about that investigation is uh, there for anyone who, who cares to go to the archive and trudge through it and, and look that stuff up, which that is no easy feat, I might add. The archive could be daunting. Jeff, what was the significance of the Tic Tac video footage that was uh, that was uh, leaked out? Um, you know, I'm. <laughs> I think it's a neat video. Um, the whole thing, I think, 
the emphasis and everyone's attention is on the darn Tic Tac. And, you know, if you know anything about the incident, when the Navy jets arrived on the scene there, at first they thought there was a crashed airplane underwater or something because there was a large object underwater. And then the Tic Tac made an appearance and got their attention and scooted off, and they all went chasing it. Which, to me, I think that must have been a diversionary drone and it did its job leading them away from the real target, which could have been a larger mothership-type craft. And, of course, um, anyone that's heard me talk about the fields of propulsion that they probably used knows that I'm a firm believer that if they're traveling inside the field, they can go in and out of water without even raising a ripple. And if that's the case, well, it certainly wouldn't matter the size of the ship. But going back to the point, mm-hmm. I want to know about the big thing, not the little tic-tac thing that got their attention and made them all chase after it. Um, what do you say? What do you think the tic-tac and the and the the other object were? Do you think they were from from uh, outer space? Were they extraterrestrial in content and context, or were they? Maybe um, a, 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 a weapon under experimental status. I don't think any of that technology is anything any nation on this planet has. Mm-hmm. But now who's to say? Maybe there's something going on underwater. Uh, you know, this planet's mostly water. Yeah. If you wanted to hide and build a base... Seems to me the best place to prevent snooping and observation by people you didn't want looking into your business would be underwater. Jeff, you and I have to take a commercial break. Do you have a website that our listeners can go to? I sure don't at the moment, no. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, and uh, that's about it at the moment. But as stuff starts growing, um, I'll be posting everything from there. All right, Jeff. And... uh... Watch yourself because I saw you take a little tumble again with that chair, and that's—I've never had a casualty on this show in over 32 years, and I don't want you to be the no, first. I'm good. <laughs> All right, Jeff, stand by, my friend. You and I will be back on the other side of this break. And Exxon Nation, this is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario. If you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at Exxon Radio TV, and on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. I'll be back on the other side of this break with Jeff. I hope that is if he doesn't fall off the chair and get a splinter. And you know what? Don't go away. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, Jeff Cross is my special guest of this hour. And uh, Jeff is with MUFON. He is an independent as uh, a musician. He knows a lot of good people in the field. And uh, we're talking about, well, UFOs this hour. Jeff, um, with all the modern technology that we have available to us now, everybody has a high-definition camera in their cell phone. How come there hasn't been that smoking gun that would be undeniable proof that the governments around the world could could not get away with the truth embargo that they're getting away with? Well, you know, one of my friends in England told me, and, and this pretty much sums it up, he said, you know, you American ufologists, I'll see UFOs in your pancakes. <laughs> and, and, you know, really, he's got a point. 
there, there's a, if you listen to every sighting you hear coming from with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All over every day, you'd think these skies are literally crowded, and we should be seeing all kinds of crisscrossing traffic and everything. Right. And, you know, oddly enough, that's not the case. Now... 95% of the reports that came in to MUFON when I was with them, simple misidentifications of things. It's that very small percentage of cases that uh, is very interesting and holds some merit to what might possibly be the extraterrestrial theory. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you can't go and say, this is an unknown. Now let me tell you all about it. It's either an unknown or you have an inkling of what it might be. Right, that makes sense. Now, you we don't hear of anything in the U.S. arsenal except for maybe Aurora and nobody's actually got a photo of Aurora, mm-hmm. but yet we know it's probably our uh, highest tech aircraft that we have at the moment. Uh, other than what I like to talk about, the TR-3B, the, the black triangles that have been seen. And, you know, the Federation of American Scientists on their website, they list all the aircraft in the American arsenal, everything that we fly, even a lot of the experimental aircraft and the drones. And back around 2014, they even listed the TR-3B. Had a picture of it even in there. I started talking about it then, and uh, I think I'd, I'd answered some questions at the first Alien Con in Santa Rosa about it, and someone got really upset and I referred them to that website. And within a month of that, the page, not just the reference to the TR-3B, but that whole page was off the website and didn't reappear for another month without the TR-3B. So whether that was too sensitive a subject and they realized that maybe they shouldn't have had it out there for everyone to look at and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly it even had 
the known specifications of it. Uh, okay. it. Um, I, I wish I could find a, a snapshot of that web page. But uh, yeah, the TR3B is, is still fairly well known in some circles, but it's supposedly re-engineered from, from something that was either crashed or traded. And, you know, this is where you get into these, you know, tales that it's a little too deep for me. I, I You know, I tend to like proof and scientific, you know, something to, to show evidence, a paper trail, uh, you know, anything from an engineer's desk showing uh, drawings or plans or something along that line, even a... a idea concept drawing would you know satisfy me that someone was thinking of something along those lines previously especially if it had a date on it and then you know i'd say well yeah someone was thinking about that previously uh but so far the only thing i could say that uh would be a drawing or a revelation of something that might possibly be known to the united states is Mark McCandlish's famous drawing of the ARV, or uh, Alien Reproduction Vehicle, which uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's a, a detailed technical type blueprint drawing of a craft, which supposedly was seen at uh, Air Force Air Show by an individual from Skunk Works, who was not cleared to be there, but uh, got to see it anyway, and then had to kind of Hush, hush, and get escorted out quickly. But, uh, you know, as far as us keeping things secret, you know, back when I saw that large craft I told you about in Azusa at the time, I thought for sure that that has to be E.T. Even though, you know, it seemed to have familiar structure type things underneath it, you know, things that you might recognize now on the side of a rocket, pipes, conduits, things like that, weird compartment shapes sticking out, kind of like how Battlestar Galactica looked, the original one. You know, it it, it had mechanical-type structure mm -hmm. on the outside of it. It wasn't just a smooth, sleek craft. So more I hear about, uh, you know, skunk works and places like that and the things that they were working on and developing, and also, if I take into account what Bob Lazar has been saying about things that we're seeing out at S4 and the... the well, wasn't, wasn't Bob Lazar discredited? No, he was not. Actually, he was pretty much vindicated. Where? Um, well, everything that he said, turns out, over the years, it came true. Um, the uned... Un, um, element 114, I believe it was, that he talked about wasn't in existence then, but now it's on the periodic tables. Um, there are people that say they remember him from Los Alamos. And because he quit talking about it and, and retired, you know, and, and started his own electronics company, uh, people just kind of figured, well, he got discredited and went away, which wasn't really the case at all. He just 
didn't care and he got tired of the subject and his family went through a, a lot of hardship because of things that he did say at the time but what about people like uh, Thornton Barnes, T.D. Barnes, who was a CIA contractor that worked on many of the NASA projects at Area 51 and Skunk Works, who says beyond a shadow of a doubt that Bob Lazar was way out of whack. There are no alien craft at Area 51. There never was alien aircraft at 51. That is probably very true. But S-4 is not Area 51. I know, but wasn't Lazar? Didn't Lazar say that he was uh, he was at Area Fifty One and with Skunkworks? Area Fifty One is a complex there on Groom Lake, mm -hmm. where the plane would land, the Janet aircraft, and there are a lot of tests that were done right. there. You know, with of course uh, the spy plane that Gary Powers flew, the U two spy plane that was tested there. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that we know about were tested there at Area 51 and on those runways. Yeah. But that's not the area where supposedly all the good stuff went down. It was supposedly further around another mountain range in a location right. known as S-4, uh, which, you know, I do know of people that have been shipped to underground, deep underground bases and worked in underground bases with security clearances uh, where these underground bases were like whole cities, um, even had you know restaurants and dining areas and places where people could meet, just like in malls, you know, shopping malls do, food court areas and stuff. Uh, so there is quite a bit of elaborate secret stuff being done. And just because you're not in on it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I agree with you 100%. There's also compartmentalization. Sure. I so, agree with you 100%, but it, do we really need to know? You know, some things I think we do, we could use, um, <laughs> as long as it's not for warfare, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of technologies there that I think could be beneficial. You're looking at, at one right there. Okay. That's that. Hovering UFO spinning there is a USB speaker. So I could play my music through it. Right. You know, that's not society changing, but it's being charged through induction without being touched. It's not even, you know, like my iPhone has to touch the magnetic charger. Right. My iWatch has to touch the magnetic charger. Mm -hmm. That's not touching a thing. It's been hovering for a couple of years. And once I sat it on there, I gave it a little spin. It's been spinning nonstop, too. All right, head speaking head. about spinning, I have to spin a commercial break here, so please stand by. Jeff Krause is our special guest, XO Nation. We're talking about UFOs. And um, if you'd like to send a question to us, we'll be glad to relay it to uh, Jeff. Just send it to me on any of the social media contact uh, informations that we have at Exxon Radio TV on Facebook, well, let me see, LinkedIn, all the social media sites. And like I said, I'll be glad to relay it to uh, Jeff. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Jeff Cross is our special guest uh, this uh, first hour of tonight's show here in the Exxon. Jeff, um, 
In, in your opinion, having done investigations over the last number of years, do these visitors from somewhere out there pose a threat to our national security as well as do they pose a threat to the citizens of this planet? No, I don't think so. Um, but then, like I used to tell my investigators, they don't all come from one place and they don't all drive a Yugo. And I'm pretty sure they all have different agendas. Um, there's probable evidence left behind of them being here for thousands of years. Um, by that, I mean petroglyphs that seem to be earliest indications of a UFO report. Um, and if in all that time, uh, we don't have... Uh, uh, societal fear of them coming to exterminate us uh i tend to think that perhaps that's because any interactions that we've had with them have been beneficial um anytime in ancient writings uh, people appeared from the sky they tended to be teachers who helped out with you know farming irrigation things like that now today modern you know accounts some abductions don't seem very friendly mm -hmm. uh, especially you know some people are pretty terrified by what has happened to them uh, skin taking you know blood samples uh, being probed in very unfriendly manners um, but I think that too is a small percentage of the interactions with them and we're still not sure the reasons behind that. Right. Um, a famous case, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Travis Walton. Yeah. Um, he was gone for five days. And I really don't think uh, that was anything other than a life-saving mission. Um, it's my How do you belief, figure? My belief that when he stood up near the craft and got zapped, mm -hmm. And everyone saw him getting thrown back all those feet. And they said he, he looked like he was dead the way he just dropped. Right. Um, which quite possibly, maybe he was. Um, but at least I'm sure that he was probably damaged to some extent. And when they took him on board, it was to help um, heal him or, or to see what could be done to help him in the very least. If the Travis Walton case is, is true, why is Mike Rogers now saying it was a hoax? Money. You know, over but, the yeah, but money from whom? Money money being lost by Travis Walton? In fact, Travis Travis failed a, a lie detector test on TV. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. We've got the videotape. No, he did not fail it. Right away, the, the one that you're referring to, right after he was returned... Um, well, he was no, I'm not. I, I'm talking about the one that Dr. Michael Shermer conducted on him on a TV game show. And when asked a question by the polygraph examiner about being abducted by aliens, and he, he you know, he told a story. Polygraph said false. Huh. You know, and that's on, that was on TV. And if you'd like, I can send you a link to the uh, the videotape. Well, sure, but I'm still, you know. Polygraphs can make mistakes. This and people can lie, too. That's true. Um, however, you know, the 
great extent that this was researched and investigated back over the years um, with Dr. Leo Sprinkle doing the original polygraphs that Travis passed and everybody else on the crew. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Past. Mm -hmm. um, well, except, except one. And one member of the crew was uncertain. Well, one guy who had had kind of a bad experience with everything, you're correct on that. Um, yeah. But everyone else in the crew, it held up over the years. Then why, then why, if it held up over the years? Something. Well, Mike Rogers was offered some lucrative deal from mm -hmm. someone, I'm not sure who. I don't want to misspeak about that. Sure, I understand that. What I've heard is that he was offered a lucrative deal from someone else to say that, which is why he did. And, of course, him and Travis are on the outs now with each other. But as far as the veracity of the case and the other witnesses, and the scientific evidence that's been collected on the scene, I have to stand by that case, especially when you consider the tree ring evidence that was taken there, scientific measurements which show in a measurable extent that something did happen there. Um, you know, I have to go along with what the scientific evidence says. What, what is the science? What science? Right. As far as his time on the craft, Mm -hmm. um, I think it took that amount of time for them to get him, you know, rejuvenated again. And one thing that he told me um, is since that time, he hasn't been sick one day. Not a cold, not a flu, nothing. Hmm. Uh, what so, scientific evidence was there found at the scene? They did testing of the trees that were around in the area. And then samples away from there. And the trees, the old growth trees that were there in that area, when this happened, experienced a period of rapid growth right then during that time frame, which and only in the direction towards where this happened in the clearing, not going out in other ways. And it was only the trees in that area that experienced the sudden growth in that time period. And you know that that yeah. right there is fairly compelling. I think. It is. It is. It is compelling. But how come there hasn't been? How come there hasn't been another case like Travis Walton's since then, or Betty and Barney Hill, or there are other cases like that? The Pasigula abduction case with Calvin Parker. Yeah, it's a great example, especially since the police tried to trick him, put him in a cell they didn't know they were being recorded, and left him alone. 
thinking, oh, well, when they're talking alone, they'll still be. I, 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 under, I understand that. We've had Calvin on the show, and uh, Kevin Randall's had uh, Calvin on his show as well. But the, the, the point is that there have been no recent alien abduction cases. And if, in fact, these cases are legitimate, why hasn't there been one since, what, 20, 30 years ago? Well, I would have to say that adds to the legitimacy of the other ones, the fact that they're not happening all the time. Um, if it was happening too frequently mm -hmm. and too many people talking about it, I right. would you know, tend to think that, you know, it's, it's a mainstream uh, phenomenon that's gone way out of whack. Well, wasn't it, wasn't it a mainstream phenomenon when it was happening all those years ago? Everybody was seeing UFOs. There was cattle mutilations. There was, you know, uh, all these strange things that were happening. You had movies coming out of the yin-yang television shows. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about the period when all that stuff was happening was it was still in the time period when we weren't talking about that. Nice people didn't discuss that in public. Um, you know, it wasn't until shows like Ancient Aliens came out, really, or on the radio Coast to Coast, Art Bell show, or who's yeah. uh, another good one? Uh, yeah, it, it's because of, you know, these people starting to talk publicly about it more and more. Right. It has become acceptable to talk about it. But quite frankly, you know, in the six, I was told as a child, you know, never talk about this stuff or you'll be taken away and locked in a loony bin. Okay, now I was just told by the producer we have to take our break, so please stand by. And Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Jeff Gross. And we will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, let me know what you think. Send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. And welcome back, everyone. Still to come on tonight's show, we have Robert Barrows coming up in the next hour, and then Dale Kesmerick is with us in hour number three talking about ghosts and hauntings. And then Cooch Daniels is with us talking about tarot and all things mystical. That's still to come tonight here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Jeff Cross is our special guest, and uh, Jeff uh, is a UFO investigator. He's also a musician. Uh, Jeff, uh, you, we were talking earlier about how there seems to be a connection with uh, people who play the guitar and, and, dare I say it, UFOs? It certainly is. Um, going back, especially in rock history, um, mm -hmm. Elvis supposedly had quite a sighting, um, and supposedly there was a, a blue light there at Graceland when he was born. But other people like Jimi Hendrix uh, had a, a sighting and supposedly a extraterrestrial encounter, which caused him to write a few songs, uh, more than one, about aliens and extraterrestrials. Uh, of course, Earl Fankhauser, who we were talking about earlier, uh, right had his sighting in 74 and, and inspired him to form the band Moo and write that song, Calling From a Star. But uh, going through, you know, you look at music and, and there are many, many songs that uh, seem to have an alien connection or something to do with aliens in the title or uh, wanting to travel to another planet, you know, and, and these are inspired by you know, a lot of personal encounters that these musicians seem to have. 
Uh, just before we go, just before we go on, uh, something just struck me that you said when Elvis was born, there was a blue light at Graceland. Yeah, um, you know, he wasn't born in Graceland. Well, no, not at Graceland. I'm sorry, at the house where he was. Oh, born. I see. I see. Okay. Um, I'm reading a book by uh, Michael Gluckman right now. I guess, and the introduction is mm -hmm. with uh, Elvis's birth and things he saw. And apparently, I guess there was. A, more than one time that he saw this blue light. Um, but it was reported, now, you know, this is the first I heard about it when I was reading this book, so it's yeah. kind of new information to me. And but, unfortunately, Michael Luckman passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Um, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to enjoy the book even more than knowing that uh, there won't be another one from you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it seems interesting that there was a, a light at the house where Elvis was born. And then at other times in his life, it was reported that he saw the same thing. And uh, I can't remember the exact quote right now, but he, he apparently told a few people that uh, he had been sent here to, you know, teach a better way through music. Um, so who knows, maybe, uh, maybe he had something contact when he was younger or, yeah, something you never know. Down that road. A, a lot of people, and you know, this is interesting because I've started wondering whether a lot of the encounters that people have, you know, we assume it could be extraterrestrial, but what if it's something else? What if it's extra dimensional? Uh, what if it's something, uh, you know, we don't even know yet, uh, fantasy based or. Uh, what we consider the occult based. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these things have so many similarities and things that are in common that people that have these encounters report that I've had to expand, you know, criteria when I do investigations or ask interview, do interviews with people because so many of these things could be interpreted differently very easily. Let me, uh, let me ask you, because there, there are so many possibilities as to what is being dealt with here, does one's religious beliefs or one's religious philosophical views have any bearing on the, on the UFO experience or the ET context? <clears throat> Some people, I, I found it makes them question what they learned um, growing up about religion and stuff. I found other people, it enforces what they've uh, learned. Um, personally, I think it, it shows that the universe is a lot bigger than we ever thought it was. And whatever the real answer is, we're not even close to guessing. Um, and basically, that's that's all we're doing. You know, we're, we're getting good data and stuff and scientific information, but we're still at the point where we are putting together theorems at best. Um, you know, we, we know that there are some craft out there that we can't replicate, but that doesn't mean we can tell you a darn thing about them. We can't tell you who, who's driving them, who made them, where they're from, why they're here, where they're going, what they want to do next week. And one point 
I want to make just because I, in a lot of the investigations I've done, this has turned up. Not once have I heard someone talking about the inside of the flying saucer they were in having any kind of restroom facilities. Now, that might seem like a small point. I don't have a restroom in my car that I take to the market. But the Winnebago that post a car when someone goes on a bigger trip is probably going to have a restroom in it. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, mother ship. You know, I don't think every little ship that someone sees came from somewhere far away. In fact, I would be very surprised if any of the small ships came from far away instead of as part inside a bigger one or something along that line. But isn't, but isn't that rather naive when we seem to think that these ETs have to follow the biological uh, attributes and the necessity to go to the washroom? How do we know that instead of being carbon-based units that they're not silicon-based units? Yeah, we may exactly. be looking at the wrong, the wrong direction. Exactly. We yeah. don't recognize anything they use, except that these same accounts seem to talk about you know, things like being probed with something that looked like a drill or, yeah. you know, they have things that can relate to in terms of, you know, something looked like this. Well, maybe it wasn't that, but they could say it looked like this to me. Right. And, but still, I haven't heard anyone say this looked like where they would use the restroom or, um, you know, and you're absolutely correct. They might not be a carbon-based life form. They may not need it. They could be clones or plants yeah. or anything at all like that. And the need still wouldn't be there. But I, I think my point being, whenever people go on a long distance journey, you tend to go in, in something bigger. You know, you're not going to take the smallest, most cramped thing with the least room for supplies or if something goes wrong, you know, do you have enough water or food or whatever? Well, once, once again, we have to look at the proportional aspect of it. Maybe the ETs aren't as big as we are. They don't need as much space. There are so many questions, and there are not that many answers. Jeff, they you and I have to say so long. You. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have to say so long for tonight. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Great talking to you. We'd love to have you back on. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun, Rob. You take care, my friend, and please give my best to Merle when you're talking to him. I will. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Exo Nation, I guess this hour has been Jeff Krebs. And, um, wow, somewhere out there, who knows? We may be passing aliens on the street. Well, I, I mean besides the ones from Mexico and all the other places that I've come into Canada and the United States, whether they're welcome or not. But that's another show for another story. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in about 10 minutes when Robert Barrows joins us here in the X-Zone as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.